0: Pastor Adam Levecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for for what you're doing this, this year, what you're up to, and for the eternal purposes in Jesus Christ that are unchanging and don't fluctuate with culture or trends. And so, help us to lay hold of the eternal truth of who you are, who you've made us to be, how we can participate with you and how we can walk in the blessing of being with you and participating with you. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Sister Lubecki, what is it that you want to say? What does God want to say to his people today?
1: Thank you, Pastor. Um, So first I wanted to start, um, you kind of treaded a little bit on what I was going to touch, and just, just to pause for a minute and really reflect and not, I'm not going to take long on this because there's some scriptures I want to share as well of what God has really done in this past year. And what I did do, if you are on the Instagram or Facebook chat, I put up a link there of where it's like an online post-it board. And that I would love for you guys to put up some things that God did this year. Because it's important to pause and be like, wow, like, God, you really did a lot, even within lot. this house. A lot. Like, Wow. This, is not, this does not look the same as it did last year. And I'm so grateful for those who have been coming, new faces, new families, um, that we have babies. Ariel is with us this year. We have babies growing in the wombs. We have people who bought houses and, and moved and, and people who are moving to make their lives right. And most of these decisions, most of these things that have come is because you have considered your future. Yep. Right? You have, you're starting to, not only in a selfish way of like, oh, I want big cars and big houses and fancy things. Like, no, some of you have made decisions this past year to position yourself for what God has for you as you grow. Right, Monica, you've made a huge change in your life this year to position to yourself to where you are today, getting that nice little certificate, right? (laughs) And so... What it brings us to is um, something I actually preached on um, beginning of last year at an event. Um, and it's yes. a verse that God kind of landed. I even made a, a video even like a year before that. Uh, I was reading a book um, a couple years back when Adam and I got to go to Greece for our um, a vacation.
0: 10th anniversary. 10th yeah.
1: anniversary vacation, which couples, it's important for you to get away and have time. Um, And do that type of thing and so
0: that's one thing that's pretty much the first thing that we pencil into the new year is our mm -hmm. anniversary trip Yes If you don't make your spouse a priority You're setting a precedent in your life. That's that's not good. Yeah, so I want to encourage you toward that (laughs) Um, That's very like this is my teammate. So we're not just shacked up together We don't just got kids together, but this is my teammate so If she's not doing well, I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. And I need to be doing well. So she needs to be doing well. And it's my responsibility to make sure that she's doing well. That's my responsibility. So we have to learn to carve out Mm -hmm. what is important. So I wanted to encourage you because that's practical.
1: Yeah. So I was reading this book that highlighted um, a verse from Lamentations. So I'm gonna read Lamentations 1-9 and then I'm gonna put it into context and kind of connect it to some other verses. So the verse, the verse Lamentations 1-9 in the NKJV, her uncleanliness, cleanliness. Cleanliness. Cleanliness, sorry. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. She did not consider her destiny.
0: (laughs) She's a nasty girl.
1: (laughs) This is talking about not a woman, not a single. This is personifying the nation of Israel. Israel. Therefore, her collapse was awesome and not the good awesome, the bad awesome. She had no comforter. Oh Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy is exalted. I'm going to also read it in the Amplified. Um, her ceremonial uncleanliness was on her skirt. She did not seriously consider her future. So the other one said, did not consider her destiny. This version says, do not consider her future, therefore she has come down from throne to slavery in an astonishing manner. So what's that, that first part there where she did not consider her destiny, she did not consider her future. When we don't put that into consideration, that's where our, our decisions can falter. Because a lot of times, the first time I spoke, the little short video I made about this, i just felt as a as a culture as a generation a lot of time we want things fast quick we want to we want to meet our needs in any way we want, we can Good
0: luck.
1: <laughs> and what happens most of the time what bad decisions are made that literally destroy lives sometimes i'm so sure some of you have been there one decision has literally changed everything for the bad And in that moment is because the future was not in view. Yeah. So it's important for us to, as I was saying before, I was kind of highlighting some decisions that have been made in this house because you've considered your future. And as we go through this year, have that in mind. What's your goal? What's, now, it's not just, okay, setting a personal goal. I'm going to go into what we should really be focusing on with another verse. But what's interesting, let me take it into context, let me pause for a minute, take a step back. So in the context of this, Jeremiah is writing Lamentations, it's really a poem about the fall of Israel, that Israel continually did not choose to be what Israel was called to be. Israel was called to be a nation set apart for God, they were God's nation, and they chose to disown him. They chose to not listen to God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in God's justice... That's right. They were, they were put in desolation. That was, not the rat, that was not God being evil or mean. That was the justice of God. Yeah, Because there's justice.
0: That was, that was actually God's, exactly, his covenant faithfulness. Because if God doesn't do what he says, why should you take him seriously? people can only take you as seriously as you do what you say. Mm -hmm. If you don't do what you say, how can we take you seriously? It would be unwise to take someone seriously who doesn't take what they say seriously. Um, So, yeah.
1: And they were warned. So I want to... This is the first time I was reading this. I I saw the connection through a commentary I was reading. To They were actually given a warning about this back in Moses. In... um, Deuteronomy 32, 28 to 29, he says, For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Which means what they would consider their future, that they would no. consider their destiny. So they were even given a warning from a, a, a father of the faith. They were given this warning by Moses generations before that they did not heed. What's also a part of that? They were void of counsel. So it's so important that within the context of this is also to be in the midst of community where um, yeah. accountability and counsel can take place. Yep. Because when we're off to our own thing, that's when you know we choose poorly.
0: Yeah. In the multitude of counsel, there's safety. So anytime I'm going to do something, I try to find someone smarter than me about what I want to do so that they can help me.
1: Yeah. That's
0: good. Uh, so that's always a good idea. I just encourage you that. And if you think you're the smartest, then you're going to be in real trouble. Uh, but 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 if you have a more of an open hand and heart and say, hmm, uh, this person has been uh, where I am or they have what I want or they're they've done what I'm trying to do, or I see a blessing in their life flowing, then the best thing that you can do is humble yourself and ask questions. Um, What she's saying is is really the difference between worship and idolatry. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between love and lust. Love is patient, lust can't wait. Uh, One of the the finest watchmakers in the world posted something on their Instagram. Uh, I think it's Paddock. Patek, how do you say it? Is it Patek? Patek. Patek. So they, they wrote on their Instagram, fast is the enemy. They're a family-owned business and there's a high demand and so they want, they want to pressure them to violate their process and they won't do it. Fast is the enemy. If, if, if a 38-year-old Adam could talk to a 28-year-old Adam I would grab them by the head and say, slower, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: slower. If you're slower, you're more sure-footed. When you you try to move too quick, you're not sure-footed. And so they were in that lustful state of, I need to gratify myself now, Mm -hmm. which is the way to curse your future. Spiritually, relationally, economically, it is the way, think of the opposite of investment. The opposite of investment is you buy it now, you pay later at a higher percent. Investment is I contribute now, it pays me later. The opposite. One is how rich people interact with their future, the other one is how foolish people interact with their future. To appear to be more than or greater than you really are. I would rather sleep on the floor, on a mattress, than have a $3,000 headboard that I'm still paying for. And I don't say that to be disrespectful or if you use a credit card, like I'm not trying to demean you, I was once there, but I made a decision in which MasterCard was no longer going to be my master. And you, as you move forward, whether it's your sexuality, whether it's economics, whether it's the need to be right and the need to get something off your chest, instead of saying something for someone else's actual benefit and well-being, we have to be real, real cautious because in addition to cursing our future, we damage others with this impetuous, I have to get it now, I've got to do it now. I've got. It's really detrimental to who you're becoming. Mm-hmm. And I really want to encourage you toward uh, not going uh, that route. Yeah. So anyway.
1: What's to, a couple of thoughts that I had while you were speaking is that the One of the sins of the nation of Israel that really brought down their downfall was continually allowing the gods of other nations to be a part of their worship and also turn to worshiping idols and other things that.
0: that. And that happened through sexuality, Mm -hmm. through an inability to tame their sexuality. Foreign women is what turned Solomon after foreign gods. Sex is always worship. Whether it's in the context of a man and a woman, it's part of your service to God and to each other, or whether it's outside of marriage, it's always a part of worship. It's, it's always worship.
1: It's also then, you talk about one man's sin. It's not, it was, just, it was also a corporate. So in this context of Israel, you're talking about a corporate expression, a corporate turning away, a corporate choosing to not consider. So it's important to, to, it's important to notice who you've surrounded yourself with. Community is so important. God created us for community. To not yes. run this race alone.
0: That's right. That's right. So let me jump on that. It, if I'm going to get bad advice, I'm going to have to call someone who's not one of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? So you have to surround yourself. So if I'm going if I, if I to call someone to affirm my dysfunction, it will not be any of my friends. Because I've surrounded myself with people that will not affirm my dysfunction. They will say, don't do that. Don't post that. Don't do that. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. So you have to surround yourself with not people who will affirm your dysfunction, but people who will confront you and say, don't do that. That's not healthy.
1: Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So I wanted to then now connect this with the New Testament and with Jesus because we always want to do that, yep. right? Yep. And just consider, think of what Jesus went through. The whole His whole purpose of coming to this earth to, to be amongst us, to die on the cross, to endure that. Remember what it says in... Hebrews 12, to 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, which is you. You are the joy set before him. Yep. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus did all that with his future in mind. Yep. Which was you. Yeah. Jesus, that's a perfect example of someone completely committing themselves to the mission and, and having their goal in mind.
0: Yeah. And the
1: joy set before and,
0: them. And you see the difference between love and lust because love is like pain now, joy later. Lust is pleasure now, shame later. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing that you want now, by the time you're done paying for it, it has holes in it. It's like, so, so it, you, you have to realize who is appealing to you and what are they appealing to in you. You have to realize that like when, when we are when we're being marketed to, when we're being spoken to, you have to realize who's talking. You have to be really, really cautious about that. Um, and, and, and sometimes you can do something. Like the more powerful you guys become and the more wise you become, the more options you have. So you'll have even more of a need to have supernatural wisdom because now you'll be able to do things where before you you weren't able to but just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think one of the marks of someone who's a real powerful person in the spirit is just because they can doesn't mean they will. And and that is that is something that that we want to grow into that level of self-control where we we are self-controlled enough where we allow the Lord to direct us instead of being so self-willed that it's all about what we want and what we think because it's very easy to miss what God has when I'm hardwired focused on me and what I want like that that is a great way to just totally miss God being so fixed in what you want or what you think you should do like the other day, like, we had these thoughts and these plans of, like, where we're going to go for our anniversary. God had a better plan. <laughs> I'll go with, with his plan. Uh, and so I'm, I'm saying that to say to not be so tight with things that we don't allow God to direct us and lead us. Because mm-hmm. he may have something for you that's better than what you had in mind for yourself. So anyway, go ahead, sweetheart.
1: I just want to end on on this staying in Hebrews twelve of that with She's ending, I'm not ending. Oh no, I know that. I'm ending. <laughs> pastor's not done yet. I know. <laughs> um, but that mm. we as a community, as a church, as a family, want to be committed to seeing every single person in here enduring the race and finishing well. Yep that we remind each other of our goal, that we were looking unto Jesus, even for each other. If someone comes to you for advice, make sure our advice comes from yep. that place of looking unto Jesus, that it doesn't come from a place of flesh or whatever, yep. that it comes from a place of directing.
0: Don't Don't give people your doubt and unbelief.
1: Yeah. But that we want to be, again, a community that's committed to seeing everyone finish well. This is more like, um, a relay race or it's more of it's like a communal race it's not just one person for his own yep it's a communal race to cheer each other on give yep. each other a cup of water saying come on you can do it let's move forward yeah. and also to have those moments of redirecting um, again focusing on the, the, the mission the final
0: yeah.
1: the our future and our destiny which I know is good yep if you're looking onto Jesus you're not going to see anything but good for your future in your destiny. Yep. There may be some hard things along the road, yep. but nothing compared to what Jesus did for us to give us everything and to give us life everlasting to the fullest. Yep. So that's why I just want to end on that, just to say that we are here for you. Just Jesus did everything for you. So much more should we be there for each other, to see each other, everyone through, to finish the race well. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Yep.
0: Amen. I, I think that. I think that what Sarah's saying is important, and I think that. The one of the greatest challenges that we're gonna face and that we're gonna we're facing, is one of distraction. Once you have your mind made up, that God's way is the way, and you want to serve Him, and you, you don't want to be, a gross person like you were. You, so you, you, you get off of dumb things like I'm going to you know, do fornication or I'm going to steal, or I'm going to do something unethical. Once you get rid of dumb things like that, like, real, like, like elementary level, like basic 101 Christianity, like the greatest battle then becomes the one for your attention and the one for your affections. What are you preoccupied with? Are you preoccupied with the cares of the world or you, you, are you preoccupied with the purposes of the kingdom? And when you are preoccupied with the purposes of the kingdom, it doesn't mean you're unaware of the responsibilities that you have. I'm not in any way talking about being negligent or careless, but I'm, I'm saying be carefree, not careless in the sense of, Casting your cares on the Lord, making sure that you're doing your responsibility and being faithful to the Lord but not with this sense of complete preoccupation with tomorrow and what you want and what you need and that's all good. Go for it. Reach for it. I encourage you toward that but not to this, not to a point where you're so preoccupied that you can't see what God has because you're focused on what you want. It's really a miserable way to be a Christian and and, one of the worst things for our society is a, self, is a selfish, lukewarm Christian. Because where there's a lukewarm Christian, there's no testimony. So there's no evidence in our life, although we say we believe something, so then we're viewed as hypocrites, even though we're sincere hypocrites. And that, that's not, that's not what, what God has. So I want to talk to you just for a, a few minutes from Mark 12. The, the religious people are trick. they're trying to trick Jesus they're trying to trip him up and that, that is the spirit of religion where they don't ask questions to learn they ask questions to trip people up that, that is an evil spirit um, and so Jesus responds with the truth um, he says so they ask him in uh, Mark twelve twenty eight. then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together perceiving that he asked uh, that he answered well asked him, which is the first commandment of all? So the scribe now is perceiving, it's classic, that the Son of God is answering well. So now you have, and this is what we do in this generation, we have a generation of people that want to judge the Bible when the Bible is going to judge you, whether you like it or not. Um, so it's very, very intriguing uh, situation. So he perceived that Jesus answered well. That's that's really amazing of you. Uh, Jesus answered The first of all the commandments is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, he's quoting the Shema. This is uh, Deuteronomy 6.4. And the Jews said this prayer, you know, three times a day for like 2,000 years. But in this passage, it says the Lord our God is one Lord and one of the, one of the words there for, for one is actually is a man so for, for, for like thousands of years they're saying the Lord our God is a man and he's sitting before them right then and there the man Christ Jesus and they can't see him Oof. that's what religion does to people Religion makes you convinced about something you can't even see and don't know. And many Christians live in a stupor, in a spirit of religion. They cannot see. They're blind. And when you correct them or you say something to them, they say, I don't see it. I can't see it. I don't want to see it. I refuse to see it. That's a spirit of blindness. That's not a good thing. Um, So, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So... This is part of our preoccupation. We should be preoccupied with loving God. With your heart, which means you have to guard it and manage it. With your mind, which means you have to turn it on (laughs) And, and actually think. You know what we do? We avoid two things, hard thoughts and hard conversations. Many people will do anything they can to avoid a hard conversation and if you find someone who you can have hard conversations with you find someone who can win in the kingdom of God and win in real life because if you are someone who immediately pushes back can't receive correction can't receive instruction can't receive direction you're going nowhere That's why you can be a Christian for 10 or 15 years and do nothing. And then someone like Monica walks in, and three months later, Monica's walking on the water, and you're going, what's going on? And you're still lukewarm after 10 years. Because when when God brings something to you, if you don't respond to it, if you don't lay hold of it, if you don't treasure it, if you don't value it, you won't receive it. And I'm not saying that to bring competition like, oh, let's all be as cool as Monica. That's not the point. (laughs) The coin, she knows she's not that cool because she lives with herself and I'm probably not that cool either. Sarah, I'll tell you that. So, but, but the thing is that when something is brought to your attention, respond to it. Don't resist it. So loving God with, your, with all your strength and, and with your soul. Part of your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. It's almost like when you were in the world, you had an iron will and now you come into the kingdom of God and your will is flim flam. What happened to you? What happened to you? You would break night. You would snore cocaine all weekend. You would spend all your money. You would do crazy stuff. And now it's like, you know, you, you give $50 extra. You think you did God a huge favor? Like, what happened to you? You, you, lost, your, you lost your will to do what is right. Like the whole purpose of me having a will is so that I surrender it to the Lord so that I can find His will. So, so I have a will, and when I surrender my will, I enter into His will. His will is better than my will. And most people will not pray God's will be done because they're not convinced that it's better than theirs. They'll just give God a Baptist list of what we need God to do for us. And I have my own list, and it's just as long as any of your lists. But that is not Prayer. That's boring. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting like that? I'd rather watch Netflix. That's like boring. But when you get on a rear prayer meeting and folks are on the floor and their guts are coming out and they're crying out. And, and, and that, that intercession is the thing that positions you for the next initiative. And it's the thing that gives you insight and direction toward what God wants. That, 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 that's how you know that there's Holy Spirit movement, not just me telling God, okay, I need new this, I need new that, I need this. God knows all that and God is not preoccupied with that and God has no problem giving you all that stuff because he doesn't care about that. If God would freely give you his son, what would make you think that the little things on your list are more valuable than his son? Mm
1: -hmm. Hmm.
0: Think about that. Like all your little boards and things and cars and whatever you want, that's nothing to God. That's something to you. That's nothing to God. God would freely give his son, which is everything. Mm -hmm. So, So it's like you have to rewire how you think about what is important and what has value. It's not that those other things don't have value. They do, but they don't have the same value as his son. And if he would give his son, then all those other things, he'll add all those things to you. All the things that the world chase after, the Lord will add to your life if you seek him first. Or you can wear yourself out, trying to get things for yourself and really wear yourself out. Or you can let him add to you. I would rather spend my energy in doing what he wants and have him spend his resources and energy toward blessing my life. Most people don't believe he can do that. They don't trust God with their desires they don't even trust God. To, they don't even trust God, really. Let alone trust God with the things that you desire—not just your needs, what you desire. We ha- we have to really learn. But that that all that shows me—it's not bad. People are not bad. It just means their heart is empty. It's not. It is not preoccupied with God. It's preoccupied with other things. And then it's it's really it's really easy to rob ourselves that way and hold our future hostage when we're we're preoccupied with everything else except him. So anyway, um, and the second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So what I'm speaking about is the habits of the heart in the sense of having our heart full of love because we understand that God has loved us. We've received that love. We focus on the love that he has for us. And then it expresses himself in how I love my wife how I love my neighbor, how we even love enemies. But, you know, the greatest expression of love is actually a man who lays down his life for his friends. Because your enemy, you can pray for them, bless them, cut their phone number off, and that's it. But the friends are people that disappoint you frequently, that may rub you the wrong way often, that may not live up to your expectations for years on end. And, and you have to learn to love them and lay down your life for them. And you're going to have to lay down your life for people who don't value your life. And, and people who, they're, they don't, they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about them. And you're going to have to love them and lay down your life for them. You're going to have to want the best for people that don't want the best for themselves. And, and that is a part of the, the love that should be a part of the community. That should be a part of the household and the family of God as it relates to that. And you see this with kids because many times your kids don't understand that you have their best interests at heart. All they can see is what they want in that moment. But what they want in that moment is not what is best in terms of for the long haul. So I want to say something and then I'm going to segue into Ephesians. Whoa. Uh, That is actually the right time on the wall. (laughs) Um, So maybe I won't do this all today, but we, we as parents you're learning like kids don't come with a manual um, and all kids are different and we have three kids that all came from the exact same places (laughs) and they are they are they they are as different different as day and and night and so with with my son Justice I'm gonna gonna share something with you because I I feel that this is for our, our house with my son Justice the other day I said you're not getting your iPad ever until you learn how to tie your shoes. Now justice, he's like a walking encyclopedia.
1: Extremely smart.
0: He he homeschools himself. <laughs> <laughs> he he prints his work, reads his work, and executes his work. He's self motivated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He is a self-learner. He doesn't procrastinate, he executes. Every single day. When the other kids are off, he says, I want to do my work to get ahead. This is an executor, CFO. (laughs) So I said to him, you're not getting your iPad until you learn to tie your shoes, this is ridiculous. It's my fault for not teaching you better, so I'm sorry for that. But you are too smart, this is crazy. I said, you will not get your iPad until you learn how to tie your shoes. 10 minutes later, (laughs) 10 minutes later, he learned how to tie his shoes and goes, Dad, I did it.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm going to tell you guys something, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm even going to soften my little tone of voice here. (laughs) Some of you need more pressure. Some of you need more pressure Mm -hmm. to grow.
1: Yep.
0: Some of you, I'm looking at you. Some of you need more pressure to grow.
1: Some things only grow in pressure or form in pressure.
0: Some of you, I'm going to say it again, some of you have got away with not enough pressure for too long. And it's sabotaged who you could become. And you can gain that back. It's not like, oh, poor you, you're done. No, but you need... A little more pressure mm. and I'm gonna tell you nicely we're gonna tighten the ship up a little bit as we move forward and we're gonna to start to apply not a lot but a little more pressure This is gonna be a little bit more okay if you're on this stage or if you're speaking with a microphone or if you're gonna serve and come on trips and do things things need to get right because What happens is God's patience with my dysfunction is not his approval of my dysfunction. And just because you have baggage from your family of origin, which all of us do, doesn't mean that's normal. And doesn't mean if you're going to serve the purposes of the kingdom that just because you admit it, we're going to excuse it. It is, it is unhealthy, it is, it, is, it is ungodly, and it's not fair to people. It's not fair to young people that want to see people wholeheartedly living for Jesus. And they come into a, a church and they see ragtag, not wholehearted, not fully devoted. It's not fair to the world around us. If we don't take Jesus seriously, it's not fair to the world around us. If we don't take serving seriously, it's not fair to the world around us. If we don't take our marriages seriously, it's not not fair to the world around us. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to share from Ephesians 5, and I'm going to do it Pretty quickly, but I'm gonna need you to bear with me just a little bit today. So, if you're done before we are, as Bill Johnson said, you can leave. But I, 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 I just want to, I, I really need to do this. So, in in verse uh, 15 of five, I'll start in eight. For you who were once darkness, but now our children, but now are light in the Lord. So you weren't in darkness; you were darkness. It's like, we're all children of God. No, uh, Satan is your daddy until you get born again. Um, so anyway, walk as children of the light for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship. The word fellowship is social intercourse. Do not have social intercourse with darkness, with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them or reprove them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. So when light steps in, it exposes darkness. It doesn't have to shine at the darkness, it shines in the darkness and reveals what was hidden in the darkness. That's, that's why when kingdom folks come around, uh, it's dangerous. Paul also said that th- this he said that there must be heresies among us that those who are made manifest th- those who are approved will be made manifest in other words the 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 authentic apostolic leaders will speak the truth against heresies and heresies must happen so that those who are approved can step forward so if you think that you're going to be in ministry in real ministry and make any impact for the kingdom without a confrontation you're absolutely mistaken i just want to just encourage you with that okay For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. That word "secret" is also where you get the word "crypto," where where, you know, like kryptonite, like that—that's where they get that word from. The 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 secret stuff. Uh, Anyway, but all things are exposed and are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, "Awake, uh, you who sleep; arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light." See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so here he is teaching us that you're either going to walk like a fool or you're going to walk like someone who's wise. He doesn't give a third option that says do what is convenient for you how you like it. (laughs) Which we would like that in America. We're always looking for the third option, the diplomatic and, and the democratic option. And there's no third option. It's either fool or wise. And he says, walk circumspectly that you may be able to redeem the time. So the word time isn't chronos, watch time. It is kairos moment. So wisdom will allow you to enter into moments in which you've lost. I've lost moments. Have you ever blew it where you knew you're supposed to minister to someone, or you know you're supposed to do something, and you're just completely preoccupied with yourself, and you missed it? Well, here's the benefit of Wisdom. Wisdom will allow you to redo something that you should have done six years ago. <laughs> that's, that's really the power of walking circumspectly and walking in wisdom. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, which means if you don't understand what the will of the Lord is, you are unwise. It's like, okay. So, uh, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, two options. Drunk, which is sloppy and groggy, and you feel it the next day. Or you're full of the Spirit, which means you're led by God. It says that he who is led astray by wine and spirits is unwise. Wine and spirits are called spirits for a reason. So when you get intoxicated, you get preoccupied. And you'll do things and you'll say things that in a sober state you won't do and you won't say. And so, like 98% of you know this for a fact. It's just unwise. And so you have, again, two options. Be filled with the Spirit or be drunk. And I think that he's speaking here of wine, which is clear. But I think that it's also possible to be intoxicated with other things instead of being full of God and focused on God. So we're going to be full of something. It's better to be full of God than ourselves. The world doesn't need more of me, and the world doesn't need more of you. The world needs more of Jesus. Okay. Um, uh, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things uh, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So submitting to one another is like it's not just submitting to people in a weird way, but it's like, hey, if I'm not upholding the standard and someone comes to me and says, hey man, this is this is the standard, then I need to submit to that because that's the truth. So it's not about people, it's about the truth.
1: Yep.
0: And and so when you reject someone who tells you the truth, you're not rejecting them, you're rejecting the truth. So that's another thing to consider. Now he's gonna he's gonna Paul is going to do something really good here. He's going to take the culture, the Roman culture, and he's going to flip it upside down on its head. And he is going to address the last first and the first last. So when you go all the way into the Roman household order, you'll see that masters are at the very top. The the word for masters is the word Kyrios or Lord. He addresses them last. It's like I shake the homeless guy's hand, I shake this guy's hand, and, and the rich guy, he goes last. The guy that usually is the first guy on the plane in the VIP seat, he's last. Paul addresses him dead last. And 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 that's because the kingdom reorders the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, he starts with wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. If you can't submit to him, don't marry him. And if you married someone you can't submit to, that's your fault. You did that. So, so you got to have to work that out. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The word word here is used as the rhema word, so it is the word... That God is speaking now the now word of God the word that is proceeding from the mouth of God so my primary responsibility the way I shower my wife uh, from the world is I give her the word that God is speaking to me that means you have to be listening that means I have to be listening that means I cannot be preoccupied with myself or with what I want or with what I'm doing All those things are fine. I'm not against any of those things. But if those things are first, that's when it's dangerous. That's when it's damaging. That's when it's out of water. It's not a problem when God goes, oh, cool. You sought the kingdom first. Great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to add all these things to you, all these things that everyone else puts first and does everything they can to get there. If you put me first, I'll add that to you. That sounds good to me. Someone heard me. I mean, you know, so anyway. So that he might present her uh, to him as self a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing uh, as she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. For he who loves his wife loves his uh, own self. No one ever has hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Let me just say one thing to you. Whatever you love in your life, you will nourish and cherish.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If, if, you, if you don't have any self-respect for yourself, you will not nourish and cherish yourself. You will run yourself down, run yourself ragged for the whole rest of the world, and you don't even love yourself. It, it is a way to cut your future short by not caring for yourself in a healthy way. It's no one's responsibility to take care of you. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. That's not your wife's responsibility. It's not your husband's responsibility. That is your responsibility to nourish and cherish whatever it is you value. You value relationships, nourish and cherish them. You value a valuable, cherish it, take care of it. People, people want bigger, better, more. You, you want a bigger house, you can't even keep a one-bedroom apartment clean. And, and you want a you want a five bedroom house, you, you, it doesn't make sense. You want a better car. Your car looks like a bomb hit it. Like it, it it doesn't it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense to think that you're gonna get more when you're unfaithful with what you have. Mm-hmm. And and many times there's things in the natural that are telling of things in the spirit. So so that that's a whole nother thing. But but but. but that was that was free. Thank you, Sorbo. So anyway, um, we're almost done here, but just give me just a few more minutes. This has been a full hostage. Um, okay, uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, shall love his own wife as himself, and let the husband see, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Do you notice that out of all the relationships, this is given the most attention? This is the only relationship that is a testimony to the world of Christ and the church. So there's two relationships that are very, 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 very critical. The husband and the wife, because that creates an ecosystem for the family. And the responsibility that is put on the husband And how the people of God interact because that tells the world that the Father loved and sent Jesus. So how we flow together, how we love each other, how we show generosity and hospitality and welcome and all that stuff to people, to the church body, is what tells the world that the Father loved and sent Jesus. That's one. But how I treat her is informing my children of how a woman should be treated, how a man should be treated, But it's telling the world of the story, of the love story of Christ and the church. And that love story is not Eros love. It's not erotic love. It's not romantic love. It's not feelings love. It's agape. It's self-giving, self-emptying love that prefers and honors the other person. Which is the opposite because if I say to, to you that I am fully focused on you and your best interests and you're focused on me and my best interests, now we have complete trust with each other because we're moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. But if I'm always with her for what I can get and she's always about how she can you know, manipulate me to get what she wants, you have a sick dysfunctional relationship crazy, but if, if you're in the relationship for, for contribution, what you bring to the table, and she's in it for what she brings to the table, the table is full instead of the table being empty yeah. many people's table is empty because the perspective is not, is not correct if, if she doesn't do normal things for me like cook for me, take care of me or I, whatever it is, that's because she's selfish and preoccupied with herself that's not healthy. When you, when you break down certain things that are not happening in a home, at the root of those things are selfishness and laziness. You're not married to those kids. You're married to him. You feed those kids, he should get fed. You, sh- you guys, you're married, you should be having sex. You gotta you got say this, you should be eating together, sleeping together, and praying together. Now if you're not married, you should not be having sex. <laughs> But, but if you're married, th- that should be a part of a self-giving mm-hmm. part of your relationship where you are giving yourself to the other person. That shouldn't have to be like, we, we have to roll the dice and this is a fight and this is, that's not, see, all these things, when, when you look at very elementary things like dysfunctional sex life or no dinner on the table when, when the husband comes home or the husband is unthoughtful and doesn't help with dishes and, and this That those are all selfish issues. That's a sin issue. You may not read laziness is sin. That's sin. So 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 all these issues that are in the homes that are a big fight, they're sin issues. And and unless you you get that thing in order, then you know it will not it, it will not really be blessed. All right now look. This is the last children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you that may you live long on the earth. So this is the first commandment that deals with the quantity and the quality of life. This is, again, God offering life to us. Honor your parents, obey them in the Lord. He's speaking of spiritual parents, but he's also speaking about your earthly parents. Honor your parents. Maybe your parents weren't honorable people, but honor them. Maybe they did dishonorable things. Honor them. It's a very, very important thing. Honor deals with your quantity and your quality of life. So you mean to tell me that I can honor someone who's not honorable and I'll reap the dividends of that? Yes. (laughs) Well, to me, I don't know about you. That sounds like a good idea. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't like being blessed. I, 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 I don't know. If, if I'm listening to Almighty God and Almighty God is telling me I want to I find ways in which I can enter your life with blessing, I am listening.
1: <laughs> it's
0: like, I'm like... You know, anyway, all right, we're almost done. And you, fathers, here it comes, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The discipline and the instruction... Whose job was it to apply pressure to justice? Yours. Mine. I neglected my my job. I let him go for too long without applying pressure. I was negligent. Me, not her. Me. Now it's not a huge deal, but it's a deal. How did you punish yourself? I did not punish myself. <laughs> I am shoes uh, for
1: uh,
0: no sneakers for tomorrow. But anyway, <laughs> the, thank you, sir. So, so the thing is that w- what is really important is that we assume responsibility for what is our responsibility. He doesn't say that to mothers. Paul is interesting. He never wastes words. He doesn't even tell mothers how to interact with their children because mothers innately know how to interact with their kids. It's husbands that are messed up. (laughs) That's how you know we live in an animal culture where women will abort their babies. This is an animal, a snake will eat its own baby. This is, we have adopted animal behavior in the name of freedom. In the ancient world, this didn't go like this. The reason why Paul addresses the wife first is because she'd be last. Because in the ancient world, women were like property. People had multiple wives. And in reality, a lot of pressure was on the women. I'm sorry to say, I know some of you can't handle that now. Like, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this. But guess what? I grew up with a mom who did everything. So I don't, I, don't, I don't recognize that. I don't cook. I don't clean. I don't do this. None of you, no offense, none of you look that good. Straight up. None of you look that good. And I would ask yourself, no woman looks that good. It's like a man who doesn't work. That's not, that's not healthy. That's the, Yeah, like get a job. Like send him to Brett or something for a week because he, he, needs, he needs to be taped up. And, 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 and spoken scrubs, to because you, you, this is this is something that like you, you have to ask God to help you to fulfill your role. God has given a woman a role. A man cannot fulfill that. A man cannot fulfill that. Paul doesn't even have to tell the women how to treat their children because they know <laughs> he has to tell men. Listen, boys, you know, like, you know, because we are not. All right. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That is the job of the father, not the teacher, not the Sunday school teacher, not the mommy. That is the job of the father. That is the job of the man to bring them up under the, the word in there is chastening. You know what chastening is? I am going to stay on you and I'm going to press you until you do what's right. I'm going to chasten you. We don't have that. We're like, "Uh, I'm your friend, I'm cool. I am going to chastise you until you do what's right. We, we We have become too passive and not aggressive enough. And maybe you were abused And so it's easy when you're abused to say, oh, I don't want to be like my dad who is an animal. And then you become so passive that you neglect your role because you're reacting to your dad's abuse or your mom's neglect. And you have a responsibility before God to fulfill this role well. This is something that we have to ask because all of that, everything he's talking about, about the household order is... He then goes into spiritual warfare because warfare starts in the home. Mm -hmm. Jesus said your enemies will be that of your own home. Some people have no help at home, so everything is different. When you have help at home, everything is different. When you have no help at home, it's it's very difficult. And so we have to learn to love each other and to help each other. And if, if I say to my wife how can I make your day today better? What is it that I can do that will help your day? And she's asking me that. Now, within the context of this relationship, there's surplus. Not lack. Not me heating up some cold, nasty leftovers. There's there's surplus. There's more than enough. So instead of me heating up leftovers, which Sorabelle says, she says, I don't do leftovers, which I respect that. Instead of me heating up some cold leftovers in in a microwave, now I can invite someone to sit down at my table and eat because my wife cooks. You see the difference there? There's a major difference in how people experience our life if we don't fulfill our role. Major problem. Major problem. And uh, I'm not being hard on on the women. Paul's main address is to men and to husbands. When you you look at this passage, he addresses the man the most. Because if things are not right, it's because he has
1: let them be not right. So you also realize that when both are doing their roles, it's also easier to do your role. If he's doing his role yes. of being the leader, of listening to God, of speaking his word, then it makes my role to to submit easier.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and this is also in our relationship with God. Why wouldn't I submit to someone who wants the best for me? Mm-hmm. That, that, to me, is crazy, and that's why I think that m- most of the elementary issues that we struggle with are really issues of unbelief. We don't really believe that he has our best sisters at hand. We don't. So that, that's why we behave like that. Now, he says, "...to bondservants, or doulos, or slaves, uh, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, as to Christ." not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. This is really, really, really interesting. Knowing that whatever good anyone does will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you masters do the same thing to them, giving up, threatening them, Giving up, threatening rather, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So he addresses who society would say that is first, last, and he tells the masters, hey master, you have a master in heaven. You are not the top dog and how you treat people matters. And then he tells the slave or the employee that your promotion is not from your master, it's from the Lord. Whoever we think our promotion is from is who we will live to please. If I think that my next blessing is from you, I'll be sweet and gentle and I'll try to tiptoe around you so that you bless me. I'm not into that. My my blessing and my promotion is not from you, it's from the Lord. That's why I'm going to be straight because the Lord is the one who blesses me. See, people who want to manipulate you will not be honest with you. They will tiptoe around you not to offend you so that they can manipulate you and get things from you. But I have found that powerful people many times just need someone to love them enough to be honest with them like Daniel was with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, judgment is going to happen to you because you're proud. Nebuchadnezzar took a gold chain and put it on his neck because you know what? The world is, is, is so hungry and so thirsty for someone to be honest with them. Someone who doesn't care what they have or who they are or what they have or how much they have, but someone that says, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth and I don't care if you like me because how I feel about myself is not determined by how you feel about you. Your opinion is yours, not mine. So I'm not going to live to agitate you or to purposely be a jerk that's not the spirit that we're in. We're in a spirit of love and humility. But I'm also not here to please people. But if I think that my promotion comes from people, I will live to please people. This is what he's addressing with the, with the bondservants and with the slaves is that, that do it as unto the Lord. What is Paul doing? There's one commonality that he does from wives to husbands to children to bondservants or slaves And then to masters. So if we modernize it and we sanitize it, employees and employers. (laughs) But what is he saying? He's redefining and reshaping all of the relationships and putting Christ at the center and as the standard of those relationships. So he's saying to her, listen. Submit to him like Christ. And he's saying, yo, buddy, pal, uh, love her like I love you and like I gave myself for you. And since men were not, were like, he, he goes on and he repeats himself and then he says it again and then he switches it up and then he brings it into how the men treat the kids. And then he brings it to how the kids respond to the parents. And then he talks about how bond servants or slaves should interact with their masters. And then how masters should treat their slaves. So he takes the Roman social order. He addresses the person who would be first, last, flips the, 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 the Roman, this is, The oikos, this is that, in in Greek, this is the, have you had oikos yogurt? (laughs) Oikos is household in Greek. He addresses the household and he sets the household in proper order. That's what apostles do. Apostles are not pastors. Pastors are different. Pastors love you or into feelings. They, they want to come to every party. They want to do coffee. They want new carpets. Apostles are not into that. Apostles are into you getting in line so that you can get blessed and the kingdom can move forward. Pastors are good. We need them. But, but this is, Paul is setting the household in order so that the household can be a testimony and can release the blessing of God to the society. But if the household is not in order, there's no flow of blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, And let me just say one thing about blessing. Blessing is a language that everybody understands. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, it's like, you can be an atheist, but if, if Mary rolls up in her new truck, people go, I see that. People don't see what you feel in your journal or what you're singing. They, that's great, but they don't get that. They, you don't know what we feel when we come to church? That's amazing. But they go, dang, dinner's on the table. Dang, these people are loving people. Dang, these people are in the surplus. Dang, these people are giving every week. Dang, these people, they see the flow of blessing. There's a flow to that. And so what Paul is doing is he's Christ-centering the home. This is what we need to do this year. Why do I say that? I am only saying that because if something is real and something is kingdom, it starts in the heart, it works through the habits, and it comes into the home. There are some people that are preoccupied with ministry, and I would tell them, go home and be a better wife, go home and be a better husband. And I don't say that so that you don't pursue ministry. I say that so that their ministry is real. Yep. It, it, it's like spend more time in the secret place so you have something to say when you have a microphone. Because no one wants to be held hostage with nothing to say. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, you, you, have to, you have to open your ears. And, and, and what, I, what I'm sensing from the Lord for us as a family and for us as a household, is that the Lord is, is coming back again in His patience and in His long-suffering with us. Because He's really, hello? He's been very patient with me. So I have to remember that when sometimes I want to, you know, when the church folks are not, you know, doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing that. We already went over this. And, and you know, it's just like, but the Lord has been patient with me. So God is coming back around now, again, to say, all right, boys and girls, all right, let's, let's get this thing in order. Let's heal up those issues. Let, let's, let's fix the intimacy issues. Let's fix your perspective on money. Oh, you have a distorted uh, view of sexuality. Let's make that healthy and sanctify that and, and keep that between you. and. Let, let's, that should be getting better. You should be getting more thoughtful, not less thoughtful. You should be getting more tender. You should be getting better at communicating. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.